Hello and welcome to episode five of the Backseat GM podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. It's the holiday season. And I'm Zach Spaghetti. We have a special episode today. We're going to be doing some prop bets as well as some team total over-unders for the upcoming season. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first, uh, Zach, James Harden. I... um. I don't know. The most interesting part of all this, you know, you could talk about how the Rockets have have treated him like a king since he came into the organization, apparently. But then also, apparently, he's upset with the decisions the organization has made, even though that he is been reported that he's had an influence on every decision. So is he just like having hindsight twenty twenty every five seconds and just like a little self hate, little self deprecation going on? And that's understandable. We all go through that. Um, but what's interesting is the whole the whole body issue here and. You know, there's a picture of We don't him. body shame on this podcast, to be clear. No body shaming. No body shaming. He wants to be a little bit more physical going into the season. And, you know, because, you know, in the paint, you know, he gets hacked a lot. And, um, and you know, I've heard he's, you know, a premier post-defense defender. So maybe he just needs to get a little bit more chunk in there to uh, to really battle with those big guys. Yeah, the Rockets switch on defense, but they switch to whoever – Harden doesn't want to move when the defense moves, when the offense moves. So it's really not switching. It's more just making sure Harden stays in one corner and everybody moves around. But anyway, back to the body thing. The day before this game, he's looking trim. He's looking fit. He's no body fat. And then the next day, it looks like a melon being rolled out on the court here. It looks like like he's about to try out for Santa Claus at your local Macy's. I was about to say he's getting into the holiday spirit a little bit. He is. So it's just interesting. Um, I don't know if he's trying to like, like make himself, um, like trying to piss the Rockets off so they trade him. But like, I, we have to get the package back in order. Like I, he still has years left on his deal. He doesn't have leverage. So I guess his leverage is not playing. I don't know. This isn't like the first time he's shown up and looked like really chunky though. I feel like he has like weird body fluctuations in weight. He, he's kind of like <clears throat> he's kind of like Zion. Like, Zion will, like, one day look, like, really heavy, and then the next day he'll look super, like, lean and fit. It's, it's just weird. Uh, on the other end of the uh, MVP spectrum, though, my prayers have been answered. Everyone said it couldn't be done. But Giannis put the pen to the paper, signed that Supermax extension. I know, I know you uh, you loathe seeing me happy, Zach, but... Oh, I want to see you happy. I do. I'm, I'm happy for you. Oh, it feels good. It feels good to be from Milwaukee, baby. Hey, uh, the pen the pen is mightier than the tampering. <laughs> no, of course not. They already hit the bucks with some excessive tampering anyway, so I think they can lighten it up on the pen situation that Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton got him as a birthday present. But, uh... Let's. We got a lot to get through today, and only so much time to get through it. So, without further ado, uh, let's get right into the Kevin McHale. Zach, what's a beer that you tried recently or in the past that you'd like to talk about today? More importantly than the NBA season, the beer that I'm drinking currently is a Christmas ale from my favorite brewery, St. Arnold, out of Houston, Texas. Hopefully, a future sponsor of this pod. Um, it's not the best beer in the world. Uh, I have a little special Christmas cup or a special Christmas glass that goes with it. 
So it's got a little bit of a special place in my heart. A little spice, a little malty, but it's a little too light for a winter kind of beer. But hey, some, some, some days in Texas, some winter days in Texas, you kind of need a lighter beer. So, but today it's 40, so I want to have your beer. I mean, if you're aiming for that, uh, that St. Arnold sponsorship, you better be a little bit more positive in your reviews. Instead, of, you know, just a, it's an all right beer. <laughs> you might have to be kissing up a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, big fans of the show, St. Arnold. Uh, or, or big fans of the of the beer, both of us on the show. So It's, it's starting to get a little bit better. It's starting to get a little, a little bit more rich. Oh. Mm. The drunker I get, the better it gets. Um, Are you brother? The beer I'm going to talk about is from Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. Uh, Sequench Ale. Sequench Ale was one of the first session sours that I tried in my long journey of uh, craft beers. <laughs> but uh, Sequench Ale is like the ultimate kickback beer. You can enjoy it at tailgate. You can enjoy like in the hot summer sun. It's not really a winter beer, but like so it's it's a mashup of Kolsch, uh, Salty Ghost. And tart Berliner Weiss, and brewed with black lime, sour lime juice, sea salt. Uh, really unique. Really, really enjoy it. I know you enjoyed it too, Zach, when you tried it. I did. I'm not usually a sour guy, but that's one of those sours that you're like, you know what, this is, this is pretty tasty. I'm always willing to try sours, but like, I found myself definitely leaning more towards the session sours as I've kind of tried more. Um, actually had a pretty good guava session sour a couple oh. weeks ago. Maybe I'll talk about it on the next show. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> it was a uh, golden monkey beer, I think. But uh, moving on, uh, quickly, we're going to go to the very uh, well-loved part of the show, Delhi Desktop, where Zach talks about all things Delhi. Yes, this Delhi desktop is more of more of a sad one. It's one of those where you're like, aw. One of those where you're like, aw. Aw. Matthew Delavadova. Yeah. Thank you for the preemptive. Um, Matthew Delavadova um, got a concussion. And um, not good, not great. Uh, took a took a hard spill. Um, was he playing, was he playing to... some Australian rugby? Is... No, he was playing <laughs> basketball. Oh, okay. Just wondering. Um, so a little little fun little segment tonight. Um, moving off that sadness is the Cavs are without a lot of people tonight. So the Cavs, according to Chris Fedor, uh, the Cavs are be really shorthanded tonight versus the Knicks. Matthew Dellavedova, Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, Jetty Osmond, JaVale McGee, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr. are all out. So, Ben, I will um, give you a nice $10 check on Venmo if you could tell me one of the Cleveland Cavaliers starters tonight. Uh, can you – wait. Can you read off that list one more time real quick for me? Sure. The Cavs are going to be really shorthanded tonight. You don't have to uh, go with that part. <laughs> and the third preseason game versus the New York Knicks. 
just the uh, players will do. Bella Vadova, Larry Nance Jr., Kevin Love, Jetty Osmond, JaVel McGee, Colin Sexton, and Kevin Porter Jr. are all out. Garland. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Ten dollars in my bank account. Ten dollars. But guess who uh, started that power forward? Mm. You already, already won the bet. It's it's a little fun. Uh, former Bucks. Oh, John Henson is John Henson starting at power forward? No. Um, but a former um, former Bucks player who was going to be an MVP one day. Thon Maker is on the Cleveland Cavaliers. 26 minutes, six rebounds, one assist, and five points. I had no idea. Oh, wow. I had no idea Thon Maker was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's news to me. That, that hey. kind of goes, goes to show the trajectory of his career since he left Milwaukee. But, uh, <laughs> yep. He was once lauded as a you know future MVP by big man expert Kevin Garnett. But uh, <laughs> things took a downward turn since then. Let's get right into our bets, our uh, prop bets and uh, over-unders tonight. We have a lot to get through. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference over-under team totals uh, in this episode. And then in an episode that will be short to follow, we will follow it up with the Western Conference. So without further ado, let's get into those team over-unders right now. Mm, Giddy up. First up. We have the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm going by Odd Shark here. Um, as we all know, this, uh, the NBA season is going to be shortened this year to 72 games from the normal 82. So these numbers are going to look a little bit different than they would normally. Um, that being said, I did take the liberty to adjust them to what they would look like on an 82-game pace. Um so first up, uh, at the top of the East, projected by Odd Shark, they have the Milwaukee Bucks at 51 games, at, set at the over-under. Now, adjusted to 82 games, that's 58. Uh, last season, they were projected for 63 games uh, with their win percentage. Now, that's taking into account bubble games and also the fact that it was a shortened season. So on pace for 63, uh, they only ended up with, uh, I believe it was 57. Um, so that's kind of the numbers that we're working with here. Zach, on a pace for uh, an 82-game season, the over-under is basically 58 games. What do you think about that? These are always tough because these guys get paid, these guys and gals get paid to make these lines. So uh, all these lines are going to be pretty good, I think. Um, this Bucks one's especially good. Um, there's going to be some games that they're going to be playing some East teams where they're going to be roll over, but there's also some up and comers in the East. So I want to say, I'm going to say under though, even though I have them first in my Eastern, um, prediction, I still, I, I'm going to say under. Yeah. I'm going to go with under two actually for this one. So we have our unanimous pick, uh, write wow. that down folks. Definitely bet the under for the Milwaukee Bucks at 51 games. Um, I, I also think the under just because, you know, they lost some depth, and depth is important in the regular season because you're not going to be playing your starters for as long a minutes. The Bucks definitely, I think, got better for the playoffs this year, adding Drew Holiday from Eric Bledsoe and then, um, you know, just improving that top 
higher echelon of talent, but as you go down the roster, it gets a little bleak. They really don't have a ton of front court depth behind Brooke Lopez at like the center position and power forward positions behind Giannis. Um, so if you're relying on Bobby Portis to be like your main backup big, you're going to struggle, especially defensively uh, during the regular season. So I'm also going to go under 58 games, um, which is the adjusted number. They've won 60 and over 60 games projected last season. But I do think this will be the season where they might take a slight dip in that regular season win total. Up next, the Boston Celtics are projected to be second in the East at 45 and a half games. Um, the adjusted 82 game number for that is 51 and a half in a normal season. That's down from the projected 55 games that they were going that they were projected to win last season before the bubble. Um, Zach, what are your thoughts on the Boston Celtics? I also have – thank you for sending me that sending that my way. I also have the Celtics at number two on my big board. I think this is – I think you should bet if you have any outstanding loans, any loan – I think you should take out more loans and bet the over on this. This is the lock of the year for Zach. This is criminal, criminally, criminally low for such a deep team that um, I think he's going to take a big leap forward this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think the Celtics are going to grow internally. I think there's a lot of maybe overreaction in disappointment of like what they could have done in the offseason because they had some options. There was rumors that they were going to trade Miles Turner um, or trade for Miles Turner uh, in exchange for, you know, Gordon. Um Gordon Hayward, that is. And then their draft was a little bit underwhelming to a lot of people, so I can kind of see the pessimism there. Um, I do think, you know, Jason Tatum's only going to get better. Um, I think Jalen Brown is a really solid player, and I'm not sure if he's reached his ceiling, but, you know, he's still young, and, you know, you could definitely see internal improvement with him as well. And then they've got a lot of young guys, too, that, you know, could potentially take a leap uh, deeper into their bench. Um, Kimball Walker is, you know, usually very solid in the regular season. Uh, They have them down four and a half games from the projected win total last year. I don't see that. I'm almost tempted. I don't know. I'm tempted to take the under on this, however. Because... What do you have the Celtics on your board? Like, what what do you have in their seating? Well, I I think I'd agree that they're probably second in the seeding. Um, I do think that the East is a little bit deeper this year, so I could see them maybe giving up a couple wins here and there. I just think that, I don't know, I just think that the loss of Gordon Hayward is also like a little bit underrated just in the fact that, you know, he was injured a lot. However, he really was a glue guy for them. And he like was a very solid wing player that they needed in a lot of stretches. So, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the under on him, even though this is a pretty tough one for me. I think that that's what, that's where I'm heading with it. Just two, two thoughts on that before we move on. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I think, Gordon Hayward, there's a couple nights where he dropped 30, and I'd be like, wow, he's a perfect guy 
that can just that can pick up the scoring load. But there's other nights where he was a liability, both on defense and on offense, where they'd swing on the ball, he he'd, it wouldn't even be a black hole. He'd just like pass it back, and he wouldn't create any movement. So uh, he's an interesting player. Just got hurt recently, so um, I think he's day to day with that though. I saw he hurt his hand. He's day to day apparently with his it's just hand. A, so just like a, a pink, yeah, just a pinky thing. But um, but uh, the other thing, so you're taking the, so the Bucks under at 51. So maybe you say 50 or 49. Um, so you took the Bucks on the so the, what would you say the Bucks would be at 49, 50? Um, yeah. Yeah, around there, forty-nine to fifty. I think that. I think that that's probably what I would do. So you think there's going to be like a six or seven game gap between one and two, potentially? Potentially, I think. I mean, that's kind of how it was last year with you know with the, the Bucks Raptors. and then then the Raptors and the Celtics. So yeah. I think it's going to be kind of similar. I mean, Bud is a really good regular season coach for all of his playoff warts. Um, so I, I'm comfortable with that. Um, okay, sounds good. Moving on to the Brooklyn Nets, who are ranked third in the East by Odd Shark. Um, they're coming in with an over/under at 45 and a half, which is the exact same over/under as the Celtics. Um, they're also uh, their adjusted number for 82 games would be 51 and a half, um, which is definitely up from their projected wins last year of 40. Um, Now it's important to note the obvious that they're going to be getting both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant back this season. Um, You are banking on a lot with the chemistry concerns here. If you're putting them at three, Um, I do think that, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant obviously have injury bugs. Uh, Kyrie Irving more consistently, I think, throughout a season. It seems to be the last couple of years. Kevin Durant had, you know, obviously the big uh, leg injury, but um, you're definitely relying on the health a lot from those guys. Although there is a pretty solid floor here because they were a playoff team last year without either of them. So if any of them miss games or either of the top two miss games, you're still looking at a pretty solid team that could win some games. So I definitely understand the. Uh, the line here. What do you think, Zach? Can you repeat the um, adjusted for eighty-two that you so um, fifty-one and a half? So it's the exact same one as the Celtics. Fifty-one and a half. Mm-hmm. So last year they won thirty-five. So that's yep. a sixteen-game increase. But you got KD, you got Kyrie, and you still have Joe Harris, Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared mm-hmm. Allen. Can't forget about DeAndre Jordan, of course, and Steve Nash. So. 51 and a half is a hell of a line. Uh, 45 is a half the line, but 51 and a half game, 51 games. It's hard, you know. I, I said over on the Celtics, under on the Bucks. I don't. There's a lot of assumptions with the Nets, but I'm gonna. I'm coming up with this on the spot because I, I didn't. I didn't know the line before. Um, I'm gonna say over. I just think a team with KD and Kyrie, any team with, I don't. Know, I, I'm gonna say over. Okay. I just think that they're just. They're, I'm going to bank on health, which is a bold bank, but I'm going to bank on health. Um, and they could easily score about 30, 30, 35 nights, 70 points, 60, 70 points right there. And then the bench just has to score 35. The bench and the other guys have to score 35. So I think they can easily get – defense is going to be a question, but they can definitely score 
a lot of teams that they can score on the East, a lot of matchup problems. So I'm going to say over. All right. Yeah, that's definitely a solid, solid pick. Um, I feel really bad because I've picked under on both the Bucks and the Celtics before this, but I'm going to go under on this total too. Um, like I said, I do think that, you know, some of these other teams in the East, it's going to be a little bit deeper this year. So I could definitely see more competitiveness um, and lesser yeah. win totals from the top guys. Uh, I do think under just because while you do have a solid floor, um, there's definitely going to be chemistry issues, I think, on this team. Like, this kind of seems like a similar situation to the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard thing that we were talking about uh, two shows ago, where, you know, there's this team that made the playoffs, and then here come two superstar players. You know, granted, Kyrie Irving was there already in the locker room, but he didn't play much last year either. So the, these guys are used to playing with each other, and now they're the reserves, and you're basically doing KD and Kyrie's bidding, you know, and getting DeAndre Jordan as the starting center when Jared Allen is there, and he's, you know, a better player than DeAndre Jordan at this stage of his career. Um so I do think there'll be some chemistry issues probably, and you know that's not necessarily a knock on Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but I, I do think that this situation kind of just stacks up for that. Um, and then the defense is just going to be really bad, I feel like, for this team. They're going to be like having to score a ton night to night to like keep up with a lot of these other teams. So I think third is like kind of an ambitious place for them. I don't know if I would even have them that high, um, but. We'll get into that a little bit later with some of these other teams, but I'm picking the under. Uh, so, go, oh, go ahead. Do you have one more thing to say, add? And I have them at three. I didn't look at the um, odd shark before this, so I had them at three as well. I just, I think that you know, you brought up the. That's a great comparison with the Clippers. That's that's like a that's like an award winning comparison because I didn't even think about that. That's 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 a good comparison. But I think that um, for all the of Kawhi and Paul George's defensive abilities over um, Kawhi and KD. I think that they didn't they didn't work as hard on, on defense because they were asked to do more of the scoring. So the defense wasn't really a factor for them. So it's going to be interesting to see if Karis LeVert can step up. Jared Allen, hopefully he gets more starting minutes than DeAndre Jordan because he's more athletic, better defender. But I think that Kyrie and KD are just are better scorers. So I think they'll be able to um, create more opportunities for the other guys instead of – and they're they're more of a quicker ISO player. Uh, ISO players are more, you know, Kyrie is a little slow, but I think they're just like Paul George and, and Kawhi, they kind of have to feel it out. And I think Katie and Kyrie know how to get to their spots a little bit better. So I think the offense will run better with those two guys than with Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. It's really so that, the defense all, that I'm worried about. It's kind yeah. of like the, it's kind of like the opposite of the Clippers. Like the Clippers were, you know, they had the defensive guys there. It was just like the offense is a little weird with like, um, not having a true point guard and then having the clunkiness of like two superstars who like kind of do similar things on offense. So, um, but we've talked about the Nets a little too long here. I think, I think we need to get into the next couple teams, but, um, next up the Philadelphia 76ers on odd share coming in at fourth in the East, uh, over under a 45 and a half. Um, the adjusted win total for 82 games would be 50 and a half. Um, that's, actually up from last year's win total um, of 48 wins projected based on an 82-game scale. Um, so the Sixers have changed the roster up a bit. It's a little bit less clunky. It uh, fits a little bit better. They got Daryl Morey now 
who might make some trades at the deadline possibly or throughout the season um, to kind of improve this roster further. They still have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid while getting rid of Al Horford. Um, they also have Tobias Harris still. What do you think about the Sixers at uh, adjusted win total of fifty and a half? I think it's criminal. This is I I, th- I didn't look at on Shark. I'm gonna. It's not going to be the last time I said that. That is the last time I'm going to say that because you guys know that by now. I don't, they won 43 games last year. I don't, unless, I mean, I guess unless we're betting on that Daryl makes a move, but this is, I'm going to go way under. Bet the, this is another lock of the year. Bet the under. I just, I don't like it. Injuries can pop up. You know, I didn't say injuries for net, so that's not consistent on my end, but I just think the 76ers are just not a great regular season team. You know, Embiid's going to take a lot of time off and with the offense running through Ben Simmons without, Without a, without a shot greater as a point guard and other, they just there's not a good team top to bottom in my opinion. So, I, I 45 and a half, the Celtics at 45 and a half, and the 76ers at 45 and a half is is absurd to me. 76ers on the under. Yeah, you know I disagree. Actually, I mean, the Sixers last year still were on pace for 48 wins. Um, so that. That's one thing. It, it, it didn't. See, it seemed a lot worse than it was, just because of like how good they were supposed to be. I feel like um, I think this roster makes so much more sense for the top two guys in Ben Simmons and Embiid. Like they got rid of Al Horford, who was worthless basically to them. Yeah. Like he's effectively either playing a backup center role with a not spaced offense or he's lining up next to Embiid which is even worse at power forward they put him to the bench towards the end of the year but that was their plan going into the year was to have Horford at power forward and Tobias Harris playing out of position at small forward while having Ben Simmons at point guard and then you know uh Richardson at 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 the two that that's like two they one and a half, two, two, three point shooters on that team in that starting lineup, you know? So I don't know. I, I think, I think the Sixers just addition by subtraction in a way are going to be a lot better this year. I also think that it was such an anom- anomaly how bad this team was on the road last year. Like I feel like they can only improve because their record at home was like really, really good. I think with like, I don't know, just a year that kind of reset them a little bit. They got, like, better-fitting pieces around them. You know, they got uh, Seth Curry. He's going to be starting for them probably. Uh, Danny Green most likely will start as well. Um, Those are two three-point shooters that can, like, kind of play the J.J. Redick role on offense and, you know, really find this team that's deprived of space, some actual three-point shooting space. Um, you know, Tobias Harris playing at the four is going to be a lot more, uh, advantageous for him. Like he's way more of a power forward than he is a small forward. He really, you know, struggles otherwise. Um, and then, you know, wherever you slot in Ben Simmons, like, you know, he'll do his job. He'll do what he does best, you know, whether that be at small forward or point guard, you know, however they choose to deploy him. Um, and then you have the benefit of, you know, maybe they can make a move at the deadline or something. So I trust Daryl Morey to, like, make the right moves for this team. Um, I think he's a really top-tier GM. Um, 
so yeah, I'm I'm hitting the strong over on this one, which is quite different from your strong under. So uh, this is the first one where I think we like really really disagree on. Yeah, Vincent are just two really good players that shouldn't be on a team together. I disagree. I think that I think they can work together. They've shown it before. You know, they were a really good yeah, team. But B needs a guy to stretch out the floor. And a guy who's more of a shooter. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And then Embiid, I mean, uh, ideally, yeah. the guy who isn't in the paint. You know, he needs more of a Kevin Love big or more of a Jokic big who can who can be on the elbow and then can allow for movement in the offense instead of just be on the block all the time. I agree. Or, or a big man who decides. Is, yeah. I, I was just going to say the problem is, like, finding the right trade partner. Like, you don't want to downgrade talent for a slightly better fit, you know, like no doubt. if you, no doubt. if you were able to swing a trade for James Harden, like obviously do that in an instant, like try to you trade Ben Simmons in a heartbeat for that. But like, you know, they have two talented guys who have shown that they can play together when they have the right pieces around them. I think last year was just such a bad fit and like a real anomaly. I, I think, yeah. you know, just having such an ill fitting roster. So that's fair. Yeah. Up next, we have the Miami Heat uh, slotting in at fifth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, their line is at 44.5, which is the same as the Nets and the Sixers. Um, that then translates to 50.5 wins. Um, or I'm sorry, it's not the same as the Nets, same as the Sixers, 44.5. That translates to 50.5 wins over an 82-game season, uh, which is up slightly from their projected total of 49 wins last year. Uh, now, granted, they were a much better playoff team than they were during the regular season. And a lot of that had to do with, you know, various injuries and just kind of like trying to figure out how to play together. They really did put it together in the bubble, though, and uh, perform in the playoffs. So, Zach, what do you think about a projected 82 over under of 50 and a half for the Miami Heat? Now, it's interesting is, you know, I'm saying over, under, over, under, over, under. I, I have the heat at five as well. Um, I think this is a close under. I think this is a solid line. There's just, I just don't think this is a 50-win um, 51 team in an 82-game season. But they're a hell of a team. They're going to make some noise in the playoffs. It's going to be fun to watch. But I don't see, I don't see them being a 50 team, especially how tight. I think the best better teams in the East, there's better teams in the East that can beat the Heat. So they'll be beating the Heat. He may steal a few games, and then the lower teams may steal a few games. So I think, I think it's a close under. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I've picked unders on three of the top four already. Um, I do think that the Heat, you know, while I believe they are overrated by a lot of people, um, just because of their playoff run, I do think they have a re- lot of really young guys who are talented I think they'll have some internal improvement um, even though they didn't really make any big splashes in the offseason like you know they were kind of linked to a couple guys and you know they still might you know they still might somehow swing some trade for Harden you know if they if they continue to not be willing to include Tyler Hero I doubt that happens but you know Pat Riley will do what he can to put up the most competitive roster um, and I do think that Although the Miami Heat's uh, record wasn't really reflective of their talent level last year during the regular season, um, I think they did figure some things out, and I think they'll kind of come into next season rolling a bit. 
I think this is one of the sneaky teams that might have a little bit more uh, wins than some people project just because of, I guess, the weakening of the top a little bit and the unpredictability of some of these top teams. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to hit the slight over on the heat. I'm not, you know, bullish on it, but I think that that's a solid pick. Yeah. And like like you said, you know, hero came on kind of late last year and they were kind of figuring out how to gel together. So maybe they'll keep the momentum going from the playoffs, which they were on a hell of a run. So I could see, an I can see an over. Yeah. Um, and Spolster is a hell of a coach. So I definitely trust him. Uh, next on the board, Coming in at sixth in the East, we have the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the line is set at 42.5 wins. That's 48.5 projected for an 82-game season, uh, which is quite a bit down from where they turned out in the East last year uh, at 60 games projected. So, Zach, what do you think about the Toronto Raptors coming in at sixth here? So, I initially had the Raptors fourth. And then we talked about it before the call. We're like, I'm like, shit, they don't, they don't have Mark Gasol, they don't have Ibaka. And I, I don't mean to steal that from you, but like, that's what you reminded me. I was like, I didn't, I slipped my mind. So I, I moved them down to six. I actually have the Hawks after the heat. Um, so just kind of reference, I'm at Bucks, Celtics, Nets, um, Heat, Hawks right now, then Raptors. So um, I think, I think they're going to underperform this year. My last couple have been unders. I think there's going to be a bit of a stratification between the top dogs and the and kind of the middle dogs. Um, but you think there's going to be more competitiveness? It makes it tighter. I think that could definitely be a possibility. But as far as the specific Raptors go, they lost some big pieces, tougher competition in the East. Um, I, I mean, did they? How did they? Get, they didn't get better, and that they're, obviously they're being penalized for it. So I think it's a uh, it's a close under. Okay. I actually have the Raptors at a slight over. Um, while obviously, you know, I actually also kind of like, it kind of slipped me in my mind about Abaka and Gasol until, you know, I was doing some research for the, for the podcasts earlier. But, you know, they did, they did pick up Aaron Baines, who's a solid big, uh, you know, he can do a lot of things um, like hit threes and, you know, he, he's a really good um, offensive player in some rights, just setting screens and just keeping the offense moving. He's like a real good glue guy, which I think is pretty perfect for what Nick Nurse likes to do with, you know, the depth that he has. Um, they are going to be, you know, probably a little bit more thin there in the front court, though. Um, obviously, Aaron Baines isn't as good as, you know, those other two guys that he's replacing, I don't think. But, you know... Nick Nurse is probably the best coach in the league, if not, you know, top two, three at, at the very least. Um, I do think that, you know, he's going to he's gonna have a team that's going to be really competitive. Um, you know, the Raptors projected at the bottom of the East, you know, playoff picture last year, too. Um, and then they surprised everyone and, you know, skyrocketed to, you know, just behind the Bucks. Um, so that was out of nowhere. I think that, you know, they can do maybe not that again to that degree, but I do think that they will be underrated on most bet lines. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the over here uh, at 42 and a half for the Raptors. I do think that they can approach being a 50 win ish team in a regular 82 game season this year. So, 
It's just tough losing. Like got Aaron Baines, Chris, Chris Boucher, Alex Lynn as your three big guys. And then yeah. your power, power forwards, Pascal Siakam, which is obviously amazing. But who's Pascal Siakam's backup? I mean, OG and Obi. I'm looking at the USPN depth chart here. But then OG and Obi's a starter. So Norman Powell. I mean, I was, they're, they're big man, like they're, Big game depth, like you talked about, is just criminally low. So I think that's going to – may not hurt him in the regular season, though. So I'll definitely hurt him in the playoffs, but it's a different game in the regular season. So It really is. Um, and that was another – you reminded me, before we move on to the next team, OG Ananobi, I think he's a player that improved tremendously last year, and I think he still has room to grow as for his ceiling. I think that he could definitely be like a really, really solid, you know – uh, piece that could a solid starter that could be you know even more than that this year because uh, he was already a really really solid starter last year three point shooting and he's probably one of the best def- perimeter defenders in the league already so fair enough all right let's go to number seventh uh, in the rankings in the East the Indiana Pacers who come in at thirty nine and a half wins. Uh, that's 45-game projected pace for 82 seasons. Uh, that's down from their projected wins last year, which was 51. Um, the Pacers really did not do much of anything this offseason. They kind of ran it back completely. And, you know, that might be to their benefits in some ways, just because, you know, personally, I think that they probably should have held on to, you know, Miles Turner. I think that would be kind of a steal for the Celtics. You know, they would have gotten Gordon Hayward back, but, you know, they kind of have a lot of wings and guard wings already uh, with, you know, Brogdon, Oladipo. And I think, I don't know. I'm not saying that the Pacers did well by doing nothing necessarily. Um, they did change their coach, so we'll see how that goes. Um McMillan did have a knack for having his teams overachieve in the regular season. I think the Pacers weren't projected to win the amount of games that they ended up winning and were projected to win uh, after, you know, COVID hit last year. Um, I do think that, you know, 45 win pace for this team again, you know, that's down six games from their projected pace last year. Um I don't feel great about hitting the over on this. I, I think I'm going to go with the under. It's a new offense, probably with a new coach. They didn't really do a lot to address like some of their, you know, needs. Um, I'm, I'm hitting the under on the Pacers. Ben, I'm hitting the under so low. I have them missing the playoffs. Really? Yeah, I, just... I definitely see a couple teams that are projected outside of the playoffs in this standings. I could definitely see them sneaking into one of these last couple spots. So, yeah, definitely, definitely could get behind that. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, they're the only reasons why they were winning games was because T.J. Warren was popping off, and T.J. Warren is not a good basketball player. So it was just the little. Hey, bubble. hey, 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 hey! Let's let's calm down on the goat, T.J. Warren, fifty <laughs> point game last season. Yeah, and then Jimmy Butler sunned his ass. But, you know, they do get Sabonis back, get a little bit more depth back there. Um, I'm going to bank that Oladipo gets out at some point, and they're just left with a really bottom-tier team that is just playing a style of basketball that doesn't work anymore. So 
I mean, they uh, got they had a lot of injuries last year, and they still overperformed. You know, play, yeah, devil, the, play devil's advocate. But the the East last year was so bad that, that Nets team was seventh. So I just think the East got so much better that they they didn't get any 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 regards better. So whether they missed the playoffs or not, this this line is an easy under. Yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna hit the under too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just I I really I'm struggling to see it with the Pacers. Uh. Let's move on to the next team, the Atlanta Hawks, coming in at the mm. last playoff spot, the eighth seed. Uh, their line is at 35.5, uh, which is projected pace of 40.5 over an 82-game season. That is up uh, about roughly 15 games from last year, where they were projected to hit 25 uh, wins. The Hawks got a lot better. Um, they added a lot of talent in the off season getting, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, they picked up, um, Gallinari. Yeah. Danilo Gallinari from the thunder. They definitely added a lot of scoring, uh, which is, you know, something that they, they, they were a good offense, you know, with Trey young on the floor last year, but like their defense is going to be interesting to say the <laughs> least. Um, they really don't have a ton of guys who can, you know, really defend at any level. <laughs> Trey Young is, you know, we discussed this on a prior podcast. He's by a lot of metrics the worst player defensively in the league, you know, and it's not really super close. Um, he was like 480th in defensive net rating last year. Yeah, I do think. I also think, you know, Gallinari, he's obviously a great addition for them. They do have John Collins already, whose natural fit is at power forward. So, obviously, you're going to have Gallinari go to the small forward position, which, you know, he did well with the Clippers next to Tobias Harris. Um, I think it can work, for sure. I do think that he's probably a little bit more comfortable at power forward. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Hawks at, in the eighth seed, Zach? I'm... I'm- I've been bullish on this one, man. I think that the the Hawks are going to be the sixth seed in the East this year. Um, they're going to struggle on defense, but um, doesn't really matter. We're not we're not talking about playoff hopes yet. We're talking about regular season wins and points win regular season games. So I think they've you know adding Bogdan and and Gallo. I think that's just a just a hell of an addition for Trey Young to have some weapons at his disposal. They got he Rondo too. Up. Don't forget Rondo. Yeah. And they got Rondo come off the bench. So they got two really good guys in Gallo and Rondo that I think would be perfect on playoff teams. Uh, like That being said, Rondo is a terrible regular season player, so. Yeah, but he's better than George Hill, so. No, he's not. Are you kidding me? What? Are you kidding me? Regular season player? George Hill shot like 50% from three this season. And he's shooting like a .5 a game. No, that's not true either. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, I just I love the Hawks this year. I think they're going to be a really good surprise team. Um, defense struggles maybe a little bit, you know, center struggles a little bit, but I just think they got a lot of talent, a lot of scoring, and they're going to surprise a lot of people. And so I'm slamming the over on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the over too, just because um, you know this this. This bracket here, you know, with uh, kind of the heat – well, actually, the Sixers through the Hawks, I think, 
is kind of the group that I'm expecting to overperform their numbers, you know, and that reflects what I've kind of done with the over-unders here. Um, I think these are the teams that I'm talking about that might take a couple games off these top teams, and that's why I took the unders on them. Um, After that, you know, it gets a little bit more dicey, you know, when you get to the bottom of the East. So I'm going to slap the over just because... I don't have a ton of belief in the Wizards or the Magic or the Bulls or the Hornets or the Pistons or the Knicks or the Cavs. Um, I think that they're clearly a better team than all those teams, so they're going to find a way to win games in the East. I agree. Alrighty. Um, Now we will go to the non-playoff teams projected in the East. Uh, you or I may disagree with, you know, whether one of these teams sneaks in um, towards the top of this list, probably. But we're going to go lightning around on these because we're kind of, you know, we're going a little bit long here. So Washington Wizards, the line is set at 32 and a half. Uh, that's projected for 37 wins over an 82 game season, which is up by about nine games from last year's projected win total of 28 games. What do you think about the Wizards, Zach? Hello. I love them at the eight seed. I'm, I'm, they have, they're my eight seed pick this year. I'm taking the – that's a good line. It's actually an aggressive line for a ninth seed. Um, you know, they're really they're really talking about a, a tight window here. They got a really tight uh, tight race. Uh, you said lightning round, and I'm rambling. Um, so I like – I think they're going to take a, couple, a lot of games off these bottom teams. They're going to steal a couple games off top teams that are resting their players. I think they squeak in the eight seed, taking the over. By a little bit. All right. Uh, so 37 wins is basically what we're working with here uh, in a normal 82-game season for this over-under line. Um, I do think that, you know, Westbrook has a lot of faults. I will say that. Um, however, having him during the regular season is better than having a hurt John Wall during the regular season. So, and that's reflected here. I mean, they were projected to get 28 wins last year. Now they're projected, you know, 37 effectively over an 82-game normal season. So, this is tough. I'm going to go with the slight over on this. um, More because the Pacers concern me. Um, (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to go with the slight over just because, you know, I think Westbrook and Beal are a pretty potent offensive duo in the regular season anyway. Um Wizards are going to struggle obviously defensively like they did last year, but they're going to be better offensively. Um so, yep, slight over for me on that one. Westbrook um, he's going to be on that he's going to be on an absolute mission, dude. I, I wouldn't be honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up like in the sixth seed or the fifth seed, just like just somehow, some way, and then losing the first round, of course, because that's what Westbrook does. But he's got. I was very have, surprised he, if they did that. <laughs> I got him as my eighth seed because I, I don't bet against Russ in the regular season, but you never know. Okay, this is, the, this this is, is supposed bet. to be a lightning round. This is supposed to be a lightning round, Zach. We're, we're well, getting we're getting off topic things. here. I got a few more things about Davis. Orlando Magic. The line is set at 32 wins. Uh, that's 36 and a half over an 82 game season, uh, which is about equal to what they were projected last year with 37 wins. Uh, Orlando Magic. Zach, go. Don't bet on it. 
probably they're probably gonna hit the line. Nothing nothing to see here. They're a good team, but you know, Vujovic, um big Vuj, he should be on a playoff team, not this team. He's a really good player. He showed that like in the game one of the Bucks, you know, when he's hitting his shots, he's a hell of a player. Um just the magic suck. Yeah, I mean this is really this is hard to predict just because it's 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 it gets way more difficult, I think, when you get to the bottom of any division to like project where all these wins are going to shake out. I think this is a really good line. Uh, it's about the same as what they had last year. Um, granted, they did lose DJ Augustine, who started for them a lot. Um, now they're going to rely more on Fultz, uh, but they did get some good draft talent. Um, rookies are hard to rely on, though, when it comes to wins. I'm going to go slight, slight under here, um, just because... Yeah, I, I really don't know. I would not bet on this at all. Uh, <laughs> if you have your bet on that's, 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 that's under, uninspiring, I know, but that's that's all I have to say on the Orlando Magic, kind of the most meh team that I have here. Uh, next, Chicago Bulls. The line is set at 29.5. Uh, that's projected 33.5 over an 82-game season, which is up from where they were last year, projected to go 28 wins. What do you think about the Chicago Bulls? If you're betting on any of these teams that aren't making the playoffs, don't just reconsider your option. Just take out, buy some penny stocks of UV light companies instead. Like there's no reason to be betting on these games. Stop listening, skip ahead to the prop bets. But if you do want to gamble away all your money, bet the under on the bulls because they suck. They got a good, they got good, they got a bunch of really good young guys. I just like Kobe White, Markinen, Zach Levine, bunch of guys, but you know, they just, they don't have a guy who can break down a defense by himself besides Levine. And, and Levine's so streaky of a player. They got no defense. Uh, they're not a good team, especially in the stacked East. I disagree on this one. It's actually the Bulls are actually kind of my slight Uh-oh. sleeper of the rest Uh-oh. of these. The rest of these East, you know, non-playoff teams. I don't think that the Bulls will make the playoffs. Not going to go that far, but I do think that. They might be a little bit better than a lot of people think, uh, just because head coaching change, first of all. Um, they don't have Jim Boylan anymore, who was the worst coach in the league, I think most people would agree. Um, they upgrade to Billy Donovan, who's a very solid you know, coach. He can win you some regular season games. He's shown in the past um, with the Thunder. Um, I also think, you know, He's just going to use some of their young guys a lot better. I also have Laurie Markkinen as a fantasy sleeper this year, just because I think that he's going to have a bounce back year. He had a really, really bad year after a pretty like promising rookie season. So I think he'll bounce back a little bit. I mean, they still have Zach Levine, who's you know just a scorer basically, but you know he's good at what he does on a lot of nights. Um, I, I just think the Bulls, you know, they have new ownership. Obviously, the ownership has kind of taken this year to evaluate things. They didn't make a lot of offseason moves. But I do think that the coaching definitely matters, and this team might be a little bit more inspired this year. They might, you know, have uh, a little bit more of a push to try to make the playoffs. I, I don't think they will, but I'm going to go with the over on them. That's fair. I mean, they got a lot of positive things going for them on their jersey. They're trying to, you know, trying to – trying to be a better, more winning culture. So I hope, I wish them all the best. Yeah, their jerseys aren't bad. They're doing something, uh, I think it's a theater in Chicago that they're paying homage to, so that's kind of cool. Um, Charlotte Hornets, up next. 
The line is set at 25 and a half. That's 29 games projected over an 82 game season. Um, that is exactly what they were projected last year. 29 wins. So Charlotte Hornets, Zach, uh, how do you want to waste your money? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. Let, why, well, roll the dice on Mello. Why not? Or I'm never going to call him Mello. I love Mello. We only, real, hey, real ones know, real hoopers know who the real Mello is. Yeah, I, I never really understood why. I mean, I guess it's his own self-given nickname, but, you know, people just <laughs> referring to him as Mellow seems off to me. Um, I also am going to take the slight over on the Hornets just because I think, you know, you get Gordon Hayward, that's more talent than you had last year. Um, you get LaMelo. I mean, rookie point guards are always a toss-up. You know, sometimes, more often than, than not, they take a little bit longer to find their footing. But, I mean... LaMelo, I've watched some of his preseason games. You know, he had some cool stuff that he was doing. Uh, He's still going to be figuring it out, obviously, to begin the year. But, I mean, the Hornets definitely got a talent infusion from last season, you know, ever so slight. But, you know, obviously you'd rather have Gordon Hayward than, like, Nick Batum. So um, (laughs) that's that's basically my take. Uh, I'm going to go over. Yeah, I, I like Lamelo. He's a smooth player, sees the court well. The shot's got to come around, and he's got to be a little bit, a little bit tighter because you know the NBA mistakes are a little bit more um, penalized than they are in Slovenia or um, Czechoslovakia or wherever he played. But um, you know, I think he's a really smooth player, and you know, I, I think he's better, got a better growth arc than Lonzo. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, next up, the Detroit Pistons coming in at a 23-and-a-half line, 27 projected for an 82-game season. Uh, That is two games ahead of where they were projected last year at 25 games. Um, I think the Pistons are going to be bad this year. They're going to be really, really (laughs) bad. Um, I'm taking the strong under on this. Like to, To have them two games ahead of last year when, I mean... Last year, obviously, Blake Griffin is out for a huge chunk of the year. But do you really expect Blake Griffin to be healthy all season this year? And then that's before even going to, you know, their, you know, the big boy Pistons, you know, moniker that they've suddenly adopted this offseason. You know, you got Jeremy Grant starting at small forward. You have, you know, four or five centers on your roster um, you draft one and then you pick up, you know, Mason Plumley. I guess he's starting, maybe. Yeah, he's starting. Uh, so, I mean, you have a rookie point guard, uh, Killian Hayes. You know, he's I really liked him coming into the draft. Uh, I thought it was like a steal for them to get him there. But like I said about rookie point guards, like they take a while to find their footing, and you are not putting him in a position to succeed in this roster, like. This is going to be a really weird spacing thing. I mean, when Blake Griffin is healthy, it's going to be a little bit better, I guess. But, like, having Grant play out of position at the three and then not really having, like, a ton of backcourt depth is going to be, like, really weird. Uh, I think the Pistons are going to be contenders for the worst team in the East this season. Uh, It's a terrible place for Killian. There's no shooters around them. No consistent shooters around them, and as a point guard, you need guys who make plays. Guys who, when you pass them the ball, they, you know, another guy who can create open plays for them. And Blake Griffin, like you said, shells himself. So there's not going to be a lot of movement in the offense, not a lot of space in the offense, not a lot of open opportunities. So 
it's going to be a depressing season. Yeah. Uh, next next up, speaking of depressing, um, the New York Knicks. Their line is set at 22 and a half. Uh, that's 25 and a half over an 82 game season. Uh, that is basically what they were at last year, where they were projected 26. Um, this is one of those mad lines where I would not bet on it, but um, I guess I will go. I guess I'll go over, just because. Oh, I mean, on the I'm, not, I'm not bullish at all on the Knicks, but I do think that if I have the Pistons that low. And I'm going to have sneak preview the Cavs pretty low, too. I'm going to at least have a slight over on one of these teams here. I think the Knicks, you know, they signed some a couple pieces. They're not great pieces, but they're pieces. <laughs> they got Austin Rivers on a pretty cheap deal. They signed, uh, um, what? Alfred Payton. Uh, well, yeah, they re-signed him. Um... They they got a pretty high pick in the draft this year, but he's more of like kind of a complimentary guy, um, kind of more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser. Um, so I wouldn't expect a ton out of him this year. But, I mean, maybe you have some internal improvement from Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just think – I think I've, I picked the under on – a couple of these teams here at the bottom. I'm going to pick the over on the Knicks just because. I'd be surprised if they win a game. <laughs> Any team that starts Nerlens Noel in 2021. Hey, Nerlens Noel, underrated bench big. Not a great starter. <laughs> He's a terrible big in general. No, he 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 played pretty well in the Thunder. Anyway, go on. I was saying people thought, oh, he's joining the Thunder. He's kind of one of the guys off the bench. He can fill Adam's role. Then he's just doesn't have quick hands. Doesn't have any post moves. No, no reason he should be starting. Not going to help. Not going to help their offense. That's for sure. Um, he's more of a defensive guy, if anything. But yeah, Alme Brown of 2021. No one's no one. That's you heard so, it here first. So <laughs> important. Okay. Last that we have to cover before we go on to our awards picks. Um, to wrap this up, the Cleveland Cavaliers coming in at a sad 21 and a half. Uh, that's the lowest um, by a game to the Knicks. 24 and a half projected over an 82 game season. That is basically dead on where they were last year at projected 24. Uh, I'm going to take the under on the Cavs just because I really don't know. What their plan is, they kind of have some weird pieces fitting together. I think they still want to be bad. I think they're still going to be bad. I don't think Garland or Sexton will really win them a lot of games. Um, Even if they have some improvement from Porter Jr., who I actually think is a decent player, I I just don't think they have the talent to really do anything, unless they make some kind of play at the deadline, which I don't think they will because they're trying to lose. So I'm going to take the under on the Cavs. I am slamming the over on this, dude. Yeah, Kevin Love back. You got Andre Drummond. With uh, Matthew Dellavedova. A little bit. But I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be one of those guys. Oh, Matthew Dellavedova the shows. No, this is just simply about having Kevin Love back. And that's kind of when you a couple more games than last year. Andre Drummond has got to be better with Garland at the point guard. Sexton's got to improve at some point. And whether he does or he doesn't, who gives a shit? I just think that, is that the first time we've cussed on this podcast? Yeah, I think so. 
I think so. Now I got to mark the explicit content warning. Thanks, Zach. Fuck. Fuck. I'm sorry, man. Um, oh, I slammed the over. They're going to win, like, probably 30 games this year. That's so – wow, that's that's bold. They're I'm, better uh, than their shitty teams. Okay. They're better, they're better than the Pistons. They're better than the Knicks. I think they're going to be better than the Bulls. They're going to be on pace with the Hornets. That is so bold. We will check the, back on this later in the season. Be 11. To, uh, see how Zach's doing. They're going to be 11. And me. See how I'm doing, too. No. We're just going to be the Cavs tracker. That's all we're going to do. I'm I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say no. Zero accountability. We're not revisiting this at all. <laughs> um, all right, that moves us on to the final segment of the program, uh, where we will talk about our pre- predictions for the awards odds. Uh, first off, we're gonna go with MVP. Um, so this is the official odds according to Odd Shark um, for most valuable player. First first position, uh, Luka Doncic at plus one or plus three hundred. I'm sorry, odds. Uh, second, Steph Curry at plus five fifty. Third, Giannis at plus six fifty. Uh, fourth, Anthony Davis at plus nine hundred. Uh, tied with LeBron and Kevin Durant, also at plus nine hundred. Uh, and then you got Jason Tatum plus twelve hundred. James Harden plus fourteen hundred. Dame Lillard at plus eighteen hundred, Kawhi Leonard plus two thousand. Uh, what what is your smart bet for MVP that you think could you know potentially be something that could earn you some money, or maybe it's just your safe bet? I think LeBron AD. That's a pretty decent value there, actually. I think that if LeBron has a similar season like he did last year, and then they're first in the West, um, I don't think they're going to give it to Giannis again. So um, I think that LeBron is a uh, actually a um, He's getting older, but LeBron, I mean, LeBron's pretty ageless, and there was really no drop-off in the postseason, and he actually got better from 2018. So I think I like LeBron here. I, I like If anything, if, like I could take a put option out on Luka, I would. I mean, it's a tough West. I don't see them cracking the top four. Yeah. I mean, it's um, hard to win MVP as LeBron's killing at the first seed. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be tough. Like, the weirdest one here for me is Steph Curry – number two at plus 550 like unless Steph goes nuclear and like drags the Warriors to like a you know seventh or sixth seed or something like I mean I guess the Thunder were sixth seed when Russ won MVP I think I mean I don't see him having any shot at MVP uh as far as what I think the best value is I tend to agree with you I think LeBron James is definitely one especially because he was so close but for a lot of people um this year in the MVP race, um, you know, obviously he's a year older, but I don't see him, you know, dropping off a ton with just how he maintains his body and just what we've seen so far. We haven't seen a drop off from LeBron yet, and I don't think it's going to be coming next season either. Um, so I'm going to go LeBron James for my smart pick. I think that's a great value at plus 900. Luka Doncic, I think, is my personal pick to like win as far as like who I think is going to win. Um, he's just, you know, improved so drastically in year two. He was already really good in year one. I mean, he's going to be a fan favorite, um, especially because I agree. I don't think Giannis has a shot at winning MVP again, even if he has like the best season of all time, like voter fatigue is a real thing. So uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, what do you have for us next sec? 
So we got defensive player of the year odds. I'll do top five. Um, Rudy Gobert at plus 250. AD at plus 260. Uh, Giannis at plus 400. Bam at plus 800. Uh, and then Embiid at plus 1,000. I'll add in just, you know, because I think these are notable. Ben Simmons at plus 1,200. Kawhi Leonard at plus 3,000. Um, you know, for me personally, I think that because they're not going to give the MVP to Giannis, maybe they'll give him the defensive player of the year as like kind of like a nod. Because, you know, that's kind of happened in the past in some cases. I do think that Giannis is still going to be, you know, an elite defender this year, same as he was last year. I mean, I think there's a lot less voter fatigue on Defensive Player of the Year, and if he's not winning MVP, I think there might be a little media bias towards him, even if you know maybe there's another player that has a stronger case, um, just because of the level of player that he is and that he's been there before. So I, I'm going to put Giannis as my smart pick at third and plus 400. Um, I think that's a good value there. Uh, Rudy Gobert, I think there's been a lot of fatigue on him. I don't see him yeah. being the favorite. Um, Anthony Davis, I could see just because he didn't win last year and he was the runner-up to Giannis, so that could be a good bet as well. But I'm going to go with Giannis. Yeah, I, I like Kawhi as a potential plus three thousand. I think what's interesting is you got Drew Holiday at plus five thousand, and Drew, Drew may Drew may be the sleeper of this whole whole group, but you know he's going up going up with Giannis, so obviously he's going to look a yeah. lot better. He's going to have the whole thing with Brook Lopez. Yeah. Exactly. He's, it's going to be the whole Brook Lopez dynamic. Like, Brook Lopez may have been, you know, worthy of, like, Defensive Player of the Year consideration, and he actually got some. But, you know, he's always going to be in Giannis's shadow because Giannis is, you know, the best player on that team, you know, defensively too. Um, so I don't see Drew really having a shot. But I do agree with Leonard. Like, that could be a really long shot pick. At plus 3,000, that's incredible value. I just think that, you know, with the way he's kind of approached regular seasons, I'm not sure that he's really going to get the buzz. I so, agree. yeah. Um, and, you know, Marcus Smart at plus 3,000 is potential, but he doesn't seem to get respect among um, defensive teams, so, um, or defensive voting. So, I, I, I don't know. I think you got to have a safe bet here and go with AD or Giannis to, um, to repeat as one and two in, in whatever order. Mm-hmm. All right, six-man then? Yeah, let's go to six-man of the year. Um, So first place, we have Lou Williams at plus 400, Dennis Schroeder at plus 450, Jordan Clarkson at plus 800, Danilo Gallinari at plus 800. Uh, So I guess they have him coming off the bench for Atlanta, which, you know, is a possibility. Spencer Dinwiddie at plus 1,000, Davis Bertans plus 1,500, Tyler Hero plus 1,500, Norm Powell plus 1,600, Montrezl Harrell plus 2,000. Um, and that's probably where I'll cut it off because I'm not really seeing anybody else after that. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? Hmm. I mean, out of all these, I like Schroeder the best. I think Schroeder is going to be uh, going to be really nice coming off the bench. But as far as you know, they seem to like a lot of scoring, less impact it seems. So maybe Hero can sneak in, but Hero may also win most improved. So you got some interesting dynamics here. Six minute of the year is always a toss up. Lou Williams had a kind of a really down year last year, so maybe he'll pick it up. Um, I don't listen. He to also him. finished, I believe, second in voting last year for yeah. six man. So and he didn't have a great year. Didn't really have a, the biggest impact. You never really saw him, 
you know, winning games for them. So um, this one's a tough one this year, I think. But maybe go with the Williams to uh, repeat. Probably yeah, I think, I think if I had to choose who I think it would be, I would go with Lou Williams. But I do think Montrose Harrell is a huge value pick here at plus 2,000. Uh, just because, you know, he won it last year. He gets another similar player in Dennis Schroeder to help him, you know, get those looks that he was getting consistently with the Clippers. Um, you know, I think that Lou Williams and Dennis Schroeder are similar players in a lot of ways. So um, Schroeder might suffer from the same dynamic that Williams did last year, uh, where he kind of lived in Montrez's shadow a little bit. You know, who knows if Harrell will still have that chemistry um, on the Lakers with him, but, you know, he also has LeBron throwing him lobs and stuff too. So I could definitely see Harrell, you know, kind of having another nice season and him coming in at plus 2000 is really, really good money. I like that too. No, that's a great call. Um, what do you have next for us here? So we got most improved player of the year odds. Um, DeAndre Aiden at plus 1000. Shea at plus 1,000. Jamal Murray at plus 1,200. Michael Porter Jr. at plus 1,200. Tyler Hero at plus 1,400. Jaron Jackson at plus 1,600. Some notables, Zion at plus 2,000. OG Novi at plus 2,000. D. Book at 2,800. Tatum at plus 3,000. So what do you think, Ben? Um, You know, a lot of people might be tempted to go with Zion here at plus 2000 and you know, I'm not a hundred percent opposed to it, but I'm a little uncomfortable just because of how good he was perceived last year already. Um, so it might be hard for him to improve enough on that to like really move the needle in a lot of voters minds, you know, granted he only played so many games, but like he was really good in those games and which is why he's gotten so much hype um, as well. So, I think it's going to be hard for him to, like, over a full season, like, improve enough on what he was already doing in that small sample size to, like, really move the needle for voters. Um, I think that I might go with – this is tough. But – because I feel like this is the toughest to really predict every year just because it's, like, some of these players come out of the blue. I'm going to go with – Michael Porter Jr., just because I think he, at his ceiling, is, like, an elite offensive player. Like, he has the size of Kevin Durant and the shooting, you know, of him as well. Like, he just needs to really put it all together. He's a really bad player defensively, um, but I feel like that doesn't get taken into account in Ward stuff a lot of times. Um, And, you know, he could improve on that. He's still a young guy. Uh, his scoring potential, though, is huge, and now that Jerry and, or, sorry, Jeremy Grant is gone from the Nuggets, he's going to get some more minutes. He's going to get a bigger role in the offense. He was already kind of taking that on last year. Uh, I think that he is a good bet at plus 1,200. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I like that bet a lot. Um, yeah, you said Michael Porter is the same height as KD. We all know KD seven foot and Porter Jr. is 10. <laughs> Something we all know KD is six ten, and he says he's seven foot. All right, I don't. Let's not get it twisted here. Hey, real hoopers. There's no way that dude is taller than Giannis. Like, give me a break. Kevin Kevin Durant is shorter than Giannis. He's taller. Hey, there's pictures of KD. He's taller than Demarcus Cousins. So maybe it's his little like little hunchback. Maybe if he actually got like 
a back straightener, he'd be seven foot, but I'm not buying it right now. A little posture corrector. <laughs> um, I, hey, just to be different here, Michael Porter Jr. I like that pick. You had a great argument. I think you know, Devin Booker is an interesting one at plus twenty hundred. Um, had a really good bubble. Um, he's always been knocking at the door of playing winning basketball. He's still, in, I think he kind of maybe figured out the game a little bit, you know, in the bubble. He's always been a hell of a scorer, a hell of a player. Uh, but he never really kind of saw the game the, the, the right way, in my opinion, looking for him. But I think he, he saw a great, uh, in the bubble, he had a great learning opportunity of when to, when to um, be passive, when to be aggressive. And he, he's playing with Chris Paul. So he's gonna, his numbers are going to be more efficient. He's going to be a, um, more open looks. Um, but the argument, like you said, how much better is he going to get? Um, over last year, he's already perceived as good in the bubble. Um, so, but twenty hundred for D book, a lot of good things going for him. I think it's a really solid pick, actually. I didn't really think about Devin Booker until you said that, but like you made a great point. He's playing with Chris Paul now. They're probably going to be a better team. They're probably going to be a playoff team this year. Even if his game doesn't improve drastically, he had a cra- he had like a crazy good shooting season last year. But even if like they win more games, that might change the perception around him to maybe get him a narrative towards most improved player. So I could definitely see that as a you know potential flyer at you know plus twenty eight hundred. Not bad. It's better odds than the plus twelve hundred that you get for Michael Porter Jr. So if you want to take a flyer on Devin Booker, totally understand that. Uh, last award that we're going to talk about. Coach of the year odds, um, you know, this one, you know, can be hard to predict at some points too, because, uh, you know, sometimes it'll be like a, you know, a team that kind of shot out of the nowhere and that's why they get the buzz for coach of the year that they do. Um, but I'm going to read off the line here. Uh, we got Steve Nash at plus 700, um, Monty Williams at plus 900. Eric Spolstra plus eleven hundred, Frank Vogel plus eleven hundred, uh, Rick Carlisle plus fourteen hundred, Brad Stevens plus sixteen hundred, Tyron Liu uh, plus sixteen hundred, Doc Rivers plus sixteen hundred, Stan Van Gundy plus sixteen hundred, um, Mike Malone plus two thousand, Nick Nurse plus twenty two hundred. Um, what do you think, Zach? Uh, that that pretty much bottoms out after that. You know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw a crazy one because you you researched this more than I have, and you're gonna you're gonna give us a better educated answer. Um, a lot of these top guys, I, th- I like Spo for a safe pick. Um, um, so Lloyd Pierce, I also like him as a sleeper for the Hawks. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Stephen Silas, baby, H Town. I think that you know Harden's gonna leave, and then he's gonna be able to. The Rockets may sneak in that six five six. Maybe get a five, six, seven seed. Um, I'm just bullish on uh, the Rockets this year. So I think Steven Silas, like weathering the storm through Harden, getting two guys who've been off. Um, you know, I didn't even think about it. Most improved, John Wall. Or, you know, that'd be more comeback player of the year, I guess. That wouldn't be most improved. Yeah, so it wouldn't comeback be most year. improved. We're not doing comeback player of the year odds. Um, so I think that he's got two guys coming off career, basically career-ending injuries. Whether in the hard and drama, so you're going with the narrative pick. I don't even see him on this list, uh, so you're going to be really getting good odds for that one. Um, Plus four thousand. I'm going to pick a realistic uh, coach of the year. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll go with, um, you know, like you said, I think, you know, Spolster is a good 
solid pick. You know, he hasn't been picked as coach of the year in a while. You know, I do have the Raptors as a team that I think will overperform. I don't know how much more they'll overperform, though. I kind of doubt they'll get back to where they were last year. Plus, Nick Nurse just won it, so maybe there's a little fatigue there. Um, I'll go with Rick Carlisle because I do think that, you know, the Dallas Mavericks were the best offensive team in the league last year. They were a seven seed um, because their defense was pretty bad. But, you know, you get 30 or Luka, he's going to improve. You did get some, you know, nice complimentary piece in uh, Richardson, Josh Richardson, to, like, put next to Luka. You know, he's a good defensive player. Um, I think that the Mavericks definitely have the opportunity to grow defensively um, just because of, you know, they did get some more defensive-minded guys. And, um, you know, their offense, I think, is still going to be great. So the Mavericks could, you know, vault from that seventh seed to, like, maybe a fourth seed potentially in the West or even a third seed. So... You know, it, it all depends on how well Luca plays, and if Luca's playing like an MVP candidate, you know, the sky's the limit for like what their record looks like in the regular season. They could even surpass the LA teams. So if that happens, I could definitely see Rick Carlisle, who's already lauded as like a really good coach, uh, get vaulted into that conversation. Uh, he was already kind of part of the conversation last year, albeit on the you know lower end of it, uh, but just because of the offensive you know, historic offensive season on its own, I think that he, you know, definitely warrants it this year if they improve it all defensively. So plus 1400 odds for Rick Carlisle. I like that. Um, He is ranked fifth here, but I think it's way better than, you know, some of these other odds like Steve Nash at plus 700. Like, I don't know where that is. That's coming from. That's just the Steve Nash hype, I guess. And people really excited about that hire, but Hey, I mean, if the, if the Nets get second, third, first in the East, you know, if they stay healthy, it's there's potential. Yeah, there is. And he could be like a Steve Kerr type who steps in and really lets it gel with the two superstar guys. Like, if that does work out with them, like, I, I could see it happening. Um, I just am a little bit more pessimistic on Brooklyn, you know, just from a team chemistry perspective, like I talked about earlier. Um, and if anything, like, I think that D'Antoni's going to be look at, making him look better on offense. You know, he's handling the offensive role. Um, but that might get attributed to Nash, so we'll wait and see. I do think that Carlisle's a good pick there, though. And, you know, you're bullish on the Mavs, just because Luka, you think, may potentially win MVP, Riccardo, coach of the year. And I'm not going to sit here and trash that. I mean, I'm, I looked this up, and uh, the Mavericks in clutch games, NBA determines clutch games to be within five points at some minute during the final five minutes. And last year, this article, according to Mavs.com, as of uh, as of March 9th, they were 13 and 20 in clutch games, which is worse than um, that's tied with New York, that uh, New York Knicks, that's behind Sacramento, behind Orlando, behind Cleveland, behind Washington, behind Brooklyn. So you got to think that Luca is going to come in locked in. Rick is going to coach him up, championship coach. They're not going to be 13 and 20 again in those tight games. They're going to yeah. steal a lot of wins. So you got to think there's going to be some regression to the mean there uh, a little yeah. bit. So yeah, definitely look out for that. That wraps up our episode. Uh, we went a little longer than we had hoped, but we got there. It's a good thing we didn't try to fit in all 30 teams in this episode. We've been going <laughs> for another two hours probably. Um, 
Thank you, Zach. Uh, you can find us here at the Backseat GM on Instagram and Twitter at Backseat GM Pod. You can also find us on Spotify and uh, Simplecast.com. Uh, the links will be posted on our social channels. Uh, we're still waiting on Apple Music. They're still dragging or Apple Podcasts. Sorry, they're still dragging their feet. It's really annoying. Uh, I got a bone to pick, but. <laughs> We will be available there shortly, as well as a lot of other platforms. So thank you very much, Zach, for coming on. Thank you, Ben. And it's the holiday season. The holiday season. Oh, And James Harden is coming in fat. He's going to go to strip clubs and all of that. All right. Starting off here.